Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer turned psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hello and welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Uh, today we've got a nice, interesting guest here who has a good experience. It's going to be a bit different from the other ones. And we're going to talk a bit about telecommuting. So I would like to tell our listeners we're all uh, having Anishka Vestal on the air today. And I want to say a few words about her before I bring her on here. Agnieszka is a skilled software engineer with a wealth of experience in state-of-the-art product development. She consistently pushes the envelope in terms of fundamental technology, application tools, and her own development. And her experience includes developing embedded and higher-level software for TV studio, telecom, financial service, and instrumentation applications. She has engineering degrees from MIT and an MBA from the University of Western Australia. See, that's why I'm saying she's special. She's got some really neat experience here. So let's all welcome Agnieszka. Hi. Hello. <laughs> it's great to have you on board here and uh, uh, patching in uh, through the internet, as we often do on the show, but in particular here for our special telecommuting episode. Um, so Agnieszka, tell us a little bit about what you do. I mean, I said a few words, but I want to know what you do and pretty much how you got there. Um, so basically, I'm a software engineer. Um, I run a software consulting company at the moment, but I've been an employee. I've done startups. I've done all sorts of things. I've dabbled all over the place over the years. But my focus has been on embedded software, which is the software that talks to the hardware as opposed to, say, pretty user interfaces. Um, so you program specialized hardware like digital signal processors, real-time operating systems, um, and more general purpose things. Um, I got here in a more kind of roundabout way, as a lot of people do. Um, I did my undergrad degree in pure electrical engineering, and I was expecting to be designing chips and boards. Um, but then as my interests evolved, I got into digital signal processing, and that's what I did my master's in. And that is really, it's algorithm heavy, and the implementation straddles the line between hardware and software. So my degrees actually says both. Yeah. Um, and I've been working in software side ever since. But you also have an MBA. How did that come in? Well, I did a couple of startups. Um, and I found that I needed to know the business side of it because first I did a project in my first job where we did the coolest software and we did this super amazing technology transfer, totally new, and then it sat in the closet. Okay. And then a few years later, I went and did an MBA, and I'm sorry, I didn't do the MBA then. I went and did a startup. And I happened to do a telecom startup in 2001, 2002. And we tried to take on Cisco and that's a really <laughs> bad idea. <laughs> and we had the coolest product. And we did um, 
we did backflips with this network processor part that was one of the first ones to be created. It's a whole class of processors now, but it was one of the early ones and it wasn't ready for, for production. Um, but we made it work. And then the telecom world imploded mm -hmm. and the company went under. And that was a real shame. And then in 2008, I did another startup in... Oh, wait, wait, that, the timing here is sounding... <laughs> okay. Yeah. I did a startup in financial services. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> we were moving data around for the stock market. So I have brilliant timing. But through all that, um, I learned that I really wanted my, the work that I do to go somewhere, right? I, mm -hmm. There's a time and a place for science projects, but what I really get professional satisfaction from is getting product out the door and into customers' hands. And so I needed to be able to take control of that more. So when the opportunity presented itself that I could go and study and do an MBA, I went and did that. So that really helped you understand how to get the product out there to the people or how to structure uh, your designs or how to do the company? I mean, where, where does that help you? What are you doing now? You're still programming, right? I'm still programming, but I'm running my own business uh, as a consultant. Um, and I use the MBA learning in guiding the decisions that, that I make either engineering decisions or um, business decisions. And, and I really like having that extra bit of knowledge, right? So when, when I'm coming across an, an engineering decision, I really try to think of, well, why does this matter? And how does it fit into the grand scheme of the product? Mm -hmm. And what part of the product is most important? That makes a huge amount of sense. Um, yeah, that's something that's so easy just to get caught up in the bells and whistles and the functionality of what you can do and um, the latest and greatest, you know, all these different things that engineers love, but thinking about, wait, big picture and customer and business, what's, what problem does it solve and how can we get it out there uh, into people's hands as opposed to uh, what's the, the best way to solve this problem? That's right. No. Okay, so I want to ask you another thing about your MBA because it's from University of Western Australia. So you've worked, you, let's see, you studied at MIT and you were in Australia and I know you've been other places too. So tell us about this sort of global experience that you have. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, top to bottom almost here of the earth. Yeah. Well, we, we've done a bit of a tour of the English-speaking world. Mm -hmm. um, I, we moved around a few times early on for work, actually. For one of the moves was for that first startup that I did. Um, and then we moved around a few times for my husband's work. He's a heavy civil construction uh, pro project manager, so he follows the big projects. Um, and I always wanted to keep working and was never interested in giving up my career. So we found, we found a way to do it. Um, but it's actually not how we started telecommuting. So I started telecommuting back in 2002 when basically I won the boss lottery. Um, 
so when when my telecom startup went belly up okay suddenly i found myself out of a job right uh-huh. and i had a mortgage i had a two-week-old baby um and i was pretty stressed out <laughs> my <laughs> husband and i were both pretty stressed out <laughs> understandably so um but my boss from from the job i did before the startup found out uh what had happened and he called me up and he said come work for me and i said boy i'd love to but we just bought a house and we're three thousand miles away and and he said it's 2002. (laughs) (laughs) so so one thing led to another and we worked it out that i was able to work from the home office um, in Oregon for a company in Boston um, and uh, you know things have changed a lot since then um, we've done a lot of different things since then but I've actually been working from a home office ever since then ever since then a home office okay so I know a lot about telecommuting and I want to ask you a lot of questions about it so first of all let's look at your perspective what's it like for you in terms of working from home um, and getting this, the people interactions that you need. Do you get them or are you isolated or, yeah? I have to work at it, for sure. And I think that that's one of the harder things about moving is if you're, it's one thing to integrate into a new job and new uh, group of people. But if you're just moving locations, you, what you actually need to do is integrate into a local professional community without having a local job. And I haven't fully cracked that nut, but I'm sure trying. (laughs) Okay. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, where is your community then? I mean, do you have an online community or do you? uh... I I do have some online community. I keep in contact with the people I work with a lot. I mean, we're online all day, every day. And uh, for the most part, we instant message. Um, but you know, it's, everybody's very responsive and I try to be more responsive than anybody. Right. Um, but I also make a real effort uh, locally to try to meet some people who are in the profession. Um, I try to go to, you know, meetings, different, uh, different kinds of talks, whether some are more interesting than others. Mm -hmm. Um, if I, you know, you always learn something, stretch yourself Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, I try to volunteer a bit um, in various positions here in San Diego. I went and did a STEM fair um, last year, which was really great. Um, and, uh, and we'll see if there's any other great ideas. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure it out. What about at work, though? I mean, do other people telecommute? I mean, these organizations that you've worked for, are you all telecommuting? Is it just you? Or how does that work out? Um I've been in a number of situations. I worked for with one team uh, a number of years back where we had people in Boston, we had people in New York City, we had people in Texas. Um, we had one guy who didn't even have a home, he was traveling. And uh, I was in Oregon for a while and then in Perth, Australia for a while. And we made that work. And it was actually really interesting and a really interesting group of people. And we got good work done. So what were some of the challenges that you faced and how did you end up being successful? Uh, 
Well, the big challenge, one, of course, is knowing, getting to know the people. You, you have to get to know the people. And these are people I had not worked with before. Okay. And uh, things really gelled after we met. Um, and I, I think that's a huge part of telecommuting is that if you can meet the people you work with, it makes an enormous difference. So you mean when you met them, you met them face to face? Yeah. Okay. So how did that come up? Um, it was a, we were working for the um, financial services startup at the time and the company got everyone together. Okay. Yeah. So the company decided that was a priority to get you to. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And, and actually, interestingly, it wasn't onboarding. It was after we had onboarded some of us mm -hmm. at different rates and at different times. And, uh, and I actually found that was better because you weren't trying to assimilate the work and the people at the same time. Huh. You, we were actually, you know, enough into the work where we could make progress and focus on meeting the people um, and getting to know each other. Okay, well that makes sense. So what did that do when you said it made an enormous amount of difference? Like, did you see that in the people interactions? Do you have any sort of qualifiable or quantifiable ways of describing the improvements? Oh, certainly not quantifiable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would require the level of planning we were ready for then. Um, I think every time you start a meeting or start a conversation with somebody, that's technical, um, you know, you exchange your two or three sentences of pleasantries, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're doing that over instant messaging or from far away, you don't know how to read a person. But once you've met them, you hear their voice. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it just makes it much more personal. You, you, you feel more like you're talking to the real person. And it's just a lot more pleasant. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that makes it interesting. It's just a lot more pleasant. So it's a better working environment uh, as well as everything else. Yeah. Well, yeah, because at the end of the day, you need to enjoy work. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you, and what most of us enjoy is the interaction with people. Mm -hmm. So what about trust and getting things done? Did you notice that it helped with that or was that just sort of independent? I suspect that, well, I, I don't know if I could separate the two, um, but trust is something that you have to build up over time, right? Mm -hmm. And that really has to do with getting the job done, being doing what you say you're gonna do and communicating well with the other people. So you're not stepping on each other's toes. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of the things that I've learned to do over the years is I send a, um, a written status report every single day. Um, every single day? Yeah, it's not long. Okay, yeah, no, but I mean, that's just, that's, you know, we talk about in telecommuting and, and virtual teams to maybe sort of over-communicate on the errand side of that, but you're saying every day it's important to have these kind of uh, interactions to to communicate. Oh, I think so. And, yeah. you know, when we have agile stand-up meetings all the time anyway, but I find that by writing something down, then if you're kind of, you're not out of sight, out of mind, right? 
if I feel like I'm more embedded in the team. And, and because in a situation where I'm the only or one of seven, one of only a couple of people who are remote, um, you want to make sure that you're really, um, I don't know, that, that people know what you're up to, that nobody's yeah. wondering, wondering visible, what you're up to. Visible, perhaps, yeah. Yeah, and, okay. you know, and, and of course, getting stuff done, right? Yeah. And the other thing I do is that if I'm working hours that are non-standard, for example, if there's, you know, there's a time difference or I'm going out to lunch at, a diff at an unusual time, um, I, I always just on my in little instant messaging thing, I, as my status, I post my daily work hours mm -hmm. so that people know, you know, if, if I say I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, these are such simple things that I end up having to talk to people about so often on virtual teams because these little tiny things that you can do to communicate uh, make a huge difference because then, you, I mean, you're talking about trust and building that up over time that people don't think you're sloughing off and not around, you, you know, tell them when you are there and maybe it's different hours from when they're there so they don't think that you're not working and they say, oh yeah, she's just working at a different time or uh, if she's gone for lunch, she'll be back in an hour. So uh, those kind of things are, you know, they're just little, but they can add up if, if you don't. Get Certainly, them. and especially if you're working time differences. Mm -hmm. um, All right, so what have been some of the, the less, pleasant or more challenging situations in terms of your telecommuting? Well, actually time differences, okay. I would say. Um, well, Australia, yeah, that's a big time difference between Australia. Where were you working from there? Australia to Boston? To Boston, yeah. <laughs> okay. And we were in, you know, in Perth, Western Australia, which was exactly a 12-hour time difference to Boston. Okay. If you're flying, you can go in either direction. And, and that was brutal. Um, I don't know if I would do it again. Okay. So not in the long term. For short term, fine. I, I always say you can do anything for six months, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but I did it for two years and I was successful from a work point of view. Made, you know, the work went fine and I don't think anybody had any complaints. Um, but the personal cost was too much Be okay. because I had, you know, a husband and a family and what, in order to manage, manage that time difference, what we would do is I would, you know, pick the kids up from school, do whatever it is in the afternoon, make dinner, put it on the table. My husband would come home and eat the dinner with the kids and I would disappear into the office and work late into the night and then I would sleep while they were at school. That's not sustainable on the long term. So I think, I think, you know, my advice to anybody wanting to work uh, serious time differences is be very careful. Um, you can, you can do it in the short term. It's absolutely no problem, but it's not a lifestyle that is uh easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you're talking about some of the people issues that you're having um, challenges with the people at home uh, yeah. that one because you're not able to see them or uh, enjoy a family dinner even. That's right. And, and that, 
you know, and sometimes you make that sacrifice and sometimes you don't. Right. For so us, we, you, after two years, that was enough. Yeah. And that's, so you were working more along the lines of their hours to be available when people at work were available. I kind of did it half and half mm -hmm. so that I was available for kind of their morning and early afternoon, mm -hmm. but not their late afternoon. Okay. So you find that there needs to be some overlap. Yes, absolutely. It, if you're just, if you're working completely opposite, then you're not communicating enough. Unless the projects are really separable, mm -hmm. right? Which one, most of them are not. And two, if they are, they're probably not the more interesting ones. Okay. <laughs> what makes it more interesting? <laughs> well, because an, an interesting engineering project is usually one that's big enough where you need to be talking to other people. I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah. yeah. Most of us don't like working in silos. Yeah. Well, see, that was part of what I was getting at before is that um, the social interaction isn't just social in terms of being outside of work or maybe it's just having interaction with other people and finding that you have to have some, uh, some of the overlap of time just to have those interactions and finding ways to make them happen, uh, whether you have some face-to-face -face or the chatting or whatever it is. And so oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important. Yeah, so it's more of a collaborative environment. So what kind of best practices have you seen in your various environments for virtual teams? Um, well, the daily status updates, I think, are really good. Um, the making sure the technology is working is mm -hmm. is really important. You know, invest the time ahead of time to make sure that you know the the cameras and the microphones and everything and everything works. Um, and uh, the other thing I find that's useful is to check in once in a while to just make an appointment with. The, the boss or a teammate or a client and say, okay, you know, we think things are going fairly well, but there's always room for improvement. Let's talk about it. Um, wow. Sometimes you get some useful feedback. Sometimes you end up talking about the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're working with people from Boston. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh-huh. So what kind of feedback have you gotten when you've done that? Um, usually it's pretty positive. Um, I'm trying to think of specific examples. <laughs> the feedback is to always, is to be available. I think um, yeah. I've had people say they, they like knowing when I'm, when I'm working. Um, okay. um, yeah, no, I, I don't have a, particularly yeah. particular example there no well that makes sense is that the feedback is to keep communicating that's right yeah. and usually that's what it is mm -hmm. well you I want to turn the tables a little bit here because um, you said something you have it um, as your professional motto and you said it to me too which is technical heroics demand purpose and so what does that mean what are we talking about here well, that's the same, the same thing as the reason I went and got my MBA, right? Okay. Is that Ooh, okay. everything we do, it has a context. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that context is a huge part of the success. So if we do think, if we do a project and it doesn't see the light of day, then it's not very satisfying. Right? I mean, you know, and so I think that if you're going to work really, really hard solving hard technical problems, they, you, you got to solve the right problem. You got to solve it at the right time and, and you have to solve it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, otherwise your work, your work is never wasted in that you've learned something, but it, it certainly is a lot more satisfying for it for the success to be more than that. Okay, so this sounds like something that you could contribute to a team as well, is really knowing what that purpose is and making sure there is one, as opposed to just spinning your wheels or or doing something that's just exciting. Well, I certainly like to think that. I I like to, uh, I always try to focus on the bigger picture and on getting the product out the door. Yeah, I think that's really sage advice is thinking about the purpose ahead of time and probably also checking in throughout to make sure you are continuing to meet that purpose or a different purpose if things change. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, if people want to reach out to you uh, to learn more about telecommuting or what you do or get some embedded coding going, how should they contact you? Um, well, my business is Grass Tree Engineering LLC, and we have a website, um, grasstreeeng.com, uh, all one word. And uh, just go there and check it out and drop us a line. Excellent. Well, I'll have some of that information available to people too on the show notes because I like to have some little highlights written up about that. Any last words of wisdom to our nerd? contingent here who's looking for people strategies anything else you think of meet the people mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't worry about whether you're you're physically there or not okay so I think, yeah i think the communication is more important than the being there eventually as long as you've met first so that you can actually know the person and have a i don't know uh a vision of them in your head when you're interacting with them? Yeah. And presumably you've formed one of yourself in their head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's key. So many companies don't bother thinking that it's so important to have that face-to-face so that uh, you're saying the investment there is really a good one, especially we're talking about purpose, big picture and all that to get things done and also have a satisfying work experience. Uh, Yeah. You have a more, do you want a collaborative relationship or a transactional relationship? Okay, there you go. Right there. You said it all, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think most companies would say they want collaborative. So just invest a little bit in there at the front end and let people get to know each other and uh, it'll be much more collaborative. Well, Agnieszka, thank you so much for being a guest on Reinventing Nerds. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. 
Yeah, this has been really interesting. And I want to say thanks to the listeners, too, and our viewers who are going to see us uh, on video here. Um, this is Reinventing Nerds at ReinventingNerds.com. And you can come there to get show notes and uh, recordings of this episode. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and whatever platform you listen to. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.